This is Sam's Sports Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been way too long. It always feels like it's been way too long for me. I just feel like, you know, I've been busy. I've been doing all these different things. I just got a new job. I'm doing the radio show, and I feel like I can't get back to the podcast quick enough to talk to everybody, and I miss you guys so much. Today is Thursday, April 14th, and it is time to talk about what happened last night in the NBA History was made. The Golden State Warriors won 73 games. They annihilated the Memphis Grizzlies to finish the season 73-9, and breaking the Chicago Bulls' 95-96 record of 72 wins. However, I don't even know if that's as big a story as Kobe Bryant in the final game of his career dropping 60 points. I mean, hello, whoa. You know, and Kobe was joking my entire career, man. They tell me to pass the ball, and tonight they were just like, no, 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 shoot, 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 shoot. I mean, I can't say that the game was rigged. It certainly wasn't rigged, but my goodness, it would just, every time up the court, it was like, all right, just co- give it to Kobe and let him shoot, let him have fun. You know, and I think certainly Utah uh, d- uh, did their best to make it a game, because let's be honest here, all right, Utah was in control of the game for most of the game. They were in they were in the lead, they were in charge. Utah's, in my opinion, a better team than this Laker team, but the stars aligned, and, and literally stars, okay? Jack Nicholson, Jay-Z, Shaq, you name it. It was a who's who at the game. Everybody was talking about how it was such an event. Everybody was there. You know, Staples Center was booming all day. It was clearly an event, and this is an event. Kobe Bryant is one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game. You can say all you want about, is he better than Jordan? Can you compare him to Jordan? I don't care what you say about that stuff. You can't negate how much of a big-time player Kobe Bryant is and was. I, I mean, Jordan was amazing for his time and his era, and there are other greats who, who had to stand in the shadow of Jordan, but the truth is Kobe was at a different time frame, man. He was winning championships during a different era, Jordan was a, they overlapped a little bit, but the, the fact is there was a time where I think Kobe was the king of the league and, you know, he's got five rings to prove it. And you can look at his time with Shaq. You can look at all the championships they won there and think, you know, well, it was because he was with Shaq. Well, he went and, you know, he was part of another team that then won two championships without Shaq where he was the finals MVP. If he, if anybody came back and proved that they were still one of the greatest players in the league. It was Kobe Bryant. I mean, between Shaq leaving, they were in the toilet. There was that season where Rudy Tomjanovich came in as the coach. They missed the playoffs. It was a little ugly. That was the same team that bounced back. That was the same team that ended up bringing in Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom. I mean, and they won some championships, and Kobe was a a gigantic part of that. So, you got to think of last night's game and how, you know, Utah was definitely in control of the game. Kobe started off a little cold. They let, they gave him the ball. He went to the hoop a couple of times. He shot it. He missed some shots. It looked like it might have been, you know, almost like, a, you know, what's the what's the most we're going to get out of Kobe? You know, what's the, you know, what's the big show that he's going to do? You know, maybe he'll make a few buckets and it'll be fun and it'll be ceremonial. And I think that's the feeling that everyone kind of had, you know, early on in the game. And then they just started to let him shoot the ball. Then he started to make some buckets, started to hit a few threes, went to the hoop. However, he didn't have the same ups. Every time he went to the hoop and whenever he had a chance to dunk the ball, he didn't really dunk it. He would just kind of, you know, bring it up to the hoop and lay it in because I think he's a bit of an old man. He doesn't have that spring in his step anymore. But 
you had a feeling something was cooking when he finishes the first quarter and he had 15 points and the entire Laker team had 19 points because there were two quick buckets by Roy Hibbert and then Kobe scored the rest of the points. Then he makes a couple of buckets in the, in the second quarter and they go into halftime and he's got 21 points. You hear Mike Tirico sitting there going, oh, you know, Kobe could score like 40 or something tonight. Whoa, 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 whoa. He came out at halftime and just started stroking it, baby. I mean, they let him do whatever they wanted him to do. They gave him the ball every every possession down the floor. I mean, it was hard to see anybody else on the Lakers touching the ball at all. And Kobe did a show, man. I mean, with the game on the line in the fourth quarter, he exploded. He scored 23 of his points in the fourth quarter alone. He just kept going down the floor. And I mean, they were losing. The Lakers were losing all the way up till the end. And Kobe, single-handedly, it was, it was one of those, it was like 80, it was the 81-point game all over again. It was just bucket after bucket after bucket. Kobe! 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 I mean, my God, it was like somebody was just orgasming Kobe buckets everywhere, and slowly you start looking at his stat line. He hits 30 points. He hits 40 points. He hits 50 points, and you see the score, and it's going from they're down by 15. They're down by 12. They're down by 10. They're down by 8. They're down by 5. All of a sudden, it's a three-point game, and Kobe is, is making another bucket, and he puts them up by one point. He puts them up by one point, and he's got 58 points on the night. Woo! Boy, oh boy. I saw a posting about how Shaq was like, Kobe, I, I dare you to get 50 points tonight. Little did we know, Kobe was going to drop 60 points. With his 58th point, Lakers went up by one. Jazz go back down the court. They're not able to convert. Kobe gets fouled. He goes to the free throw line, makes two free throws. They put the, the Lakers up by three points. Kobe's got 60 points. The next play, he gets a rebound and throws a touchdown pass down the, down the floor for, on a transition offense to make an assist on the final bucket of the game for the Lakers. And then with four seconds left in the game, he checks out. I mean, to a standing ovation for him to drop 60 points on his final game. I mean, you know, part of that is the Lakers giving him the ball. Part of it is, you know, the Utah Jazz playing with the B team. And they're playing with the B team because they had already been eliminated from the playoffs because they uh, they had a chance to make it if the Rockets lost their game. The Rockets ended up winning the game. Utah knew they were already out of the game. They have uh, Utah's been dealing with a lot of injuries as well. So they were really playing some backup guys and, you know... Kobe took it to him. It was really, it was such a nostalgic moment to not see Kobe just go out uh, and, and put on a show, but to go out and drop 60 points. I mean, my goodness. The last time he even came close to that was six or seven years ago, and that's what we wanted. We wanted to see Kobe go out like that. We wanted to see the excitement and the fame and the, and the, the, the Los Angeles Lakers, the stars, Magic Johnson saying stuff, and all of his old teammates were showing up, Shaq and Derek Fisher and Lamar Odom and Devin George. I mean, these guys came out of the woodwork to say, hey, how you doing? We love you, Kobe. And I'm going to briefly touch upon all of the bad publicity that comes with Kobe. I know about the rape charge. I know about the ring that he gave to his wife. I know about the fact that he was probably one of the worst teammates he could have been to, you know, he was a hard ass to all of his teammates, pushed him around. But the truth is you can't deny how good Kobe Bryant has been, how good he has always been, uh, how amazing he is for this league. And love him or hate him, he's one of the best out there. He's an instant Hall of Fame guy. And to go out in your last game and to drop 60 points, I mean, my goodness. Michael Jordan didn't even do that, all right? But Kobe Bryant did. And that's got to be something you can't glaze over. Now, let's shift right to the Golden State Warriors. So, Golden State Warriors finish off the season at home. 
against the Memphis Grizzlies with the record on the line. They had an opportunity to, to finish 73-9, and and they did. They blew out the Memphis Grizzlies by about 20 points, and it was, it was over pretty early. By, I watched it by the second or third quarter. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were stroking the three like it was like like it was nobody like it was their business, man. They had their eyes closed. They weren't even looking. I mean, there was a few times I saw Steph Curry hit a three pointer and he didn't even get off the floor. I mean, it wasn't even a jump shot. You, it's just he's just putting it up and it goes in. It was magical. Not to mention the fact he ended up making over eight three pointers in the game. He sets the record for the most three pointers in a single season. He ends up hitting over four hundred three pointers in a single season. I don't even think anybody had scored three. 300 three-pointers before, and Steph Curry goes and drops 400 in a single, and more than that, I think he finished with 401 or 402, it was just magical, and they kicked around this Grizzlies team, dominated them, it was it was amazing, and this Warriors team, they're, I think they get a much-deserved sort of break to breathe a little bit after this arduous, arduous season. It was very difficult for them to keep this up. There was a couple of games this season where it came so close and they nearly lost it, and somehow they pulled it out. They beat the Grizzlies last night, but just a, they finished the season with four games, two games against the Spurs, two games against the Grizzlies. That last game against the Grizzlies, I don't think they should have won that game. They finished it by, they beat the Grizzlies by one point. They were losing for most of the game, and at the very end of the game, there were two very, very questionable no calls uh, on the on the, on the Warriors. They fouled Lance Stevenson. Uh, he he shoots the shot. The Warriors kind of fouled him. There was a no call. Stevenson gets the rebound. He shoots again. There was more contact. There was still no call. I mean, he could have easily gone to the free throw line and beaten the Warriors, but they kind of squeaked out with that win. They had another game where they were on the road in Utah, and they squeaked out in overtime with a win. They squeaked out a lot of wins, but. That's what you got to do when you win 73 games in a single season. You got to squeak out a couple of wins. You got to understand that some of your losses, and look at the, they lost nine times. Nine times. They lost nine times this season. And Foxy, go tell me who they lost to. Thank you very much, Foxy. All right, here we go. We got the teams that they lost to. So they lost nine times. Let's look at these losses. They lose to the Timberwolves, they lose to the Celtics, they lose to the Spurs. They lose to the Lakers. They lose to. I gotta keep going down the list because I'll. Oh come on! I gotta hit. I got. I gotta click next on the list. Like gosh, that's when I thought it was easy to read everything online. I gotta go click more things. Uh, all right, here. They lose to the the Lakers. Yeah, they lost to the Lakers. I mean, come on. Uh, they lose to the Portland Trailblazers, the Detroit Pistons, the Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks, the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's it. So of all those teams, how many of them are playoff bound, like ridiculous, you know, you know, giant killers? All right, none of these are major major teams that they lost to. Which my point is. All of these games that they lose are kind of fluky games where they're on the you know the second night of a back to back or they're on the road and you know it's the NBA. Part of the NBA is you know any given night you could lose. All right, any at any time you know the Timberwolves can come into your house and beat you. You know the Milwaukee Bucks could sneak up on you and take a game away, even though you know they've got a poor record. And I think that's something to be said for the Warriors. They've been slogging through this season, and towards the end, I think all of the players were really sort of saying, you know. This is tough to get through the season. This might even be worse than trying to win the championship is at least, you know, it's not like there's a physical break, but there's also a mental break you need to take. There's part of you that needs to say, hey, 
this is the last game of the season, and technically it really doesn't mean anything except beating this record. And, you know, even if they had lost a couple of games and the record was over before the season was over, I think there would be a degree of relief, a degree of uh, feeling like, oh, okay, you know, now... We don't have to focus on trying to break this record anymore. We can just focus on winning games and, and you know doing our best and maybe resting this ankle or this knee or this back injury that I have so I'm fresh and ready for the playoffs. Um, so kudos to the Warriors. They really made history. It was amazing. It was They did it in fantastic fashion. That game last night against the Grizz was, I mean, they just blew them right out of the water, uh, which now comes to the fact that the playoffs are now officially set. The season is over. We know who is going to play who. So you got the Golden State Warriors are going to be playing the Houston Rockets. Houston squeaked in. I mean, gosh, Dwight Howard and James Harden, what a mess that team has been. I think the Warriors are probably going to stomp on them. Uh, it should be competitive. It's a little rematch of last year's Eastern uh, Western Conference Finals. Um, certainly not going to be the same thing. I think uh, Houston is going to put on less of a show this year than they did last year. I predict something like a sweep, maybe five games. Then you've got um the uh you got the Memphis Grizzlies playing the San Antonio Spurs the Grizzlies just been a tough season tough tough season this year with the injuries they've had losing pretty much the bulk of their team but most notably Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley I mean those guys are key pieces of this Grizzly team they really just limped into the playoffs I think they're going to get knocked around by the Spurs I also kind of see them getting swept in four games I think Zach Randolph certainly is going to put in as much of an effort in as he can. But with the injuries that the Grizzlies have and the season that the Spurs have had, I think it'll be a four-game sweep. Now, the 3-6 seed is going to be the Dallas Mavericks and the Oklahoma City Thunder. That should be a good game because you can't ever underestimate the Dallas Mavericks. They are a tenacious playoff team. And though they've had problems during the season... They're still coming in with Dirk. You still got Rick Carlisle behind the bench. Maybe you can get some time out of Darren Williams if he comes back and he's playing healthy, but it's going to be tenacious. And Oklahoma City has been noted for this season, they've been choking. They've had a couple of games where they have lost in dramatic fashion, and it's been pretty embarrassing if you ask me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what that is. Like, it feels like Scotty Brooks and Billy Donovan, I'm not noticing much of a difference between the coaching, okay? I mean, you know... It, it, they've got two of the best players in the league. They got Kevin Durant. They've got Russell Westbrook. How are they not just dominating? How are they not kicking butt in a much better pace and clip? Why aren't they even further in the, why in the mix with the Spurs and the or in the Warriors? Why don't they have sixty wins this season? I don't know. I'm a little on the fence about that. So I, I just I'm a little disappointed. Um, so that's why I kind of think this Mavericks Thunder series is going to be interesting. I definitely predict six games. I could even see seven games. And if it's going to be seven games, it's going to be darn exciting to say the least. Now, an interesting series is going to be the Clippers and the Blazers. That's going to be fun. Uh, the Clippers are a heck of a team. I think definitely get, get a little underrated and a little forgotten with all the uh, hoopla that you've seen with the Warriors this year. Um, Blake Griffin's going to be a question mark. So how, you know, is he 100%? You know, I definitely saw that he when he came back towards the end of the season, he felt he wasn't 100%. That's definitely going to play into things as this series unfolds. Um, kudos to the Trailblazers for getting back into the playoffs and doing a heck of a job after, you know, losing their star player. I mean, they lost LaMarcus Aldridge to free agency, and I think there was a strong feeling that this team was going to go into some rebuilding. And really, you get a revelation that is C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum's probably going to win most improved player of the year. Uh, well-deserved, if you ask me. The only other guy I could probably think of is Steph Curry, but I think he's going to win MVP, if anything else. Um, 
But this Blazers-Clippers series, this is going to be interesting. I think the Clippers are going to pull it out. Um, but I think that, you know, by the way, I, I don't, Thunder are going to win that series against the Mavericks. Uh, d- d- sorry, Lemur, I love you, man, but I think the, I think the Thunder are definitely going to pull it out. Um, Clippers, Blazers, I'm, I'm still favoring the Clippers, but I also seeing that go, I see that going to six or seven games. The Clippers are a darn good team, but this Blazers team, they can scare you at times. And I think, uh, I think the Clippers will do it in six, but it's going to be a heck of a good series. Now let's shift to the Eastern Conference. So, Right off the bat, we've got the Cleveland Cavaliers playing the Detroit Pistons. That's your 1-8 seed. Pistons have, you know, shown some spunk and some excitement, but I think it's going to be a situation where the Cleveland Cavaliers really just roll right over them. Uh, you know, LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving. It's it's an interesting dynamic there. Um, I think when we see real problems with their team and their ability to sort of dominate, I don't think it's going to come out until rounds two or three. I think against the Detroit Pistons, you know, the Pistons are exciting. They're young. I'm glad they made it to the playoffs. You know, good job for Stan Stan Van Gundy for putting that team together and making some good trades. But at the end of the day, I think Cleveland's probably going to roll over them in four games, maybe five games. Maybe Detroit will steal one of their own home games, but that's that's as far as I see it going. They're going to roll right out, go into the second round. Now, Toronto and Indiana. So the 2-7 is going to be the Toronto Raptors and the Indiana Pacers. Now, this is the thing that gives me pause. Toronto, every year, they seem to have a better season and a better season and a better season. But the last two seasons, when they get to the playoffs, they find a way to lose the game. They find a way to lose that first round of the playoffs. And both times it was Paul Pierce. Last, uh, last year it was Paul Pierce on the Wizards who, who you know, single-handedly stole that series from them. And then the year before it was Paul Pierce on the Brooklyn Nets who single-handedly stole that series from them. Now, thankfully, Paul Pierce is going to be on the Clippers, so the Toronto Raptors will not have to play them. But they're going up against a Pacer team that has got Paul George who's, who came back and had a fan, you know, good for him. Paul George had an atrociously ugly leg injury last year that pretty much kept him out for the entire year. You combine that with the fact that the Pacers moved on from Roy Hibbert and David West, and pretty much the only other key piece, and you know, Lance Stevenson was already gone, the only other key piece of that team, aside from Paul George, who was still there, was George Hill. And you know, it wasn't enough to get them in the playoffs, but I like Paul George coming back this year, playing at a high level. Uh, after that horrific injury. You also saw a few other people come to this team. They've got Monte Ellis now. George Hill is back. Granted, he's got some bleach blonde hair, but he is back. Um, You got a few young guys. You got uh, Miles Turner is back on the team. You got Jordan Hill. You got Solomon Hill. I think they've got a good nucleus, and I got to give credit to Frank Vogel. I really like Frank Vogel as coach of the Pacers. I think he's one of the better coaches out there. And that being said, you got this sneaky good Pacers team, which is flying a little under the radar right now, playing against the Toronto Raptors team, which is amazing. But and and this this season they had their best season yet to date. But I'm still skeptical about their ability to pull it out in the playoffs. Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, you know they they are a big big core of this team. But they were there the last two seasons when they choked in that first round. So if there's a team that I see sneaking up and and bumping the Raptors. You know, it's the Pacers. Well, I mean, there's several other teams, but if there's a team that I see getting upset in the first round, it's the Raptors. So I'm definitely going to say right now, seven games. Uh, I want to give my benefit of the doubt to the Raptors. Um, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna say this is the year they go over. This is the year they will get out of the first round, but it'll be seven games. So I'm saying the Raptors in seven, but that Pacers team is really going to give them a run for their money now. 
The three six seed is going to be the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets. This should be pretty interesting because Miami, you know, they've had an up and down season, but there's a lot of things that are going well for them right now. Uh, you know, Dwayne Wade is playing better than he's played in years. Uh, Justice Winslow has been a revelation for them. You know, Hassan Whiteside is an absolute dominating force. Goran Dragic, you know, there's he's had up and down, but I still like how he fits in with that team. Luol Deng, they got a lot of talent, and they're going to be going into the playoffs without Chris Bosh. There's been a lot of optimism that Chris Bosh would be able to come back and play in the playoffs and be a contributing factor, but... I don't think it's going to happen. You know, there's a lot of health issues with him going on right now. I don't think he's going to be available for the playoffs. It's a real shame because essentially the last two years, he's played some darn good basketball, but because of this, you know, bizarre blood clot issue that he has, he is now essentially going to be missing two straight years of playoffs, uh, which is a, a bit of a disappointment for Miami, but it looks like Miami is really gearing up to move forward without him. Uh, they're they're preparing for the playoffs. You know they got Joe Johnson, Luol Deng. I like this team. I like the uh, the pieces that they have on the team. Uh, they've got talent alone to at least get out of this first round. But they're playing a Charlotte Hornets team that has been scaring people. Okay, Kemba Walker, Nicholas Batum. They got Frank Kaminsky, Tyler Zeller. Uh, I mean, um, you know, Jeremy Lin is on this team. This team has got a lot of uh, excitement and. You know, Al Jefferson coming off the bench. Steve Clifford as the coach. Steve Clifford's been doing some great things with this team. And I was listening to a good Bill Simmons podcast today, and he was mentioning how they're doing all of this without Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. And that might be a little bit of an eye-opening thing to think, hmm, maybe Michael Kidd-Gilchrist isn't the best fit for this team. Now, I think that was something that was already on the tip of their tongues, but coming out this season and sort of doing what they've done without him seeing Kemba Walker really flourish this season, seeing the young talent, and they're a well-coached team. Good for them because Michael Jordan's trying has been trying for years to make this team watchable. And this season they've really really they've really done a heck of a job and I uh, I like it. So I think it's going to be a heck of a series. I'm predict I think this series will go to at least 6 or 7 games. Um it's hard for me to say the Hornets are going to beat up on the Heat. Uh, I I I don't know if they're there yet. Um, it's, it'll, it's possible. I certainly see it happening. This whole, you know, three, four, five, six seeds in the Eastern conference, they all finished with the same record. They all finished 48 and 34. So it's a little bit of a gimme with both of these series. And that leads me right into my next discussion, which is, uh, the four five seed is going to be the Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics. Again, all of these teams, Miami, Atlanta, Boston, and Charlotte, they all finished with the exact same record to give you a sense of where all of them are sort of falling, okay? So Atlanta, Boston, that's going to be a heck of a series. I, um, that's probably the toughest one I can think of. Again, I'm going to say seven games. These teams are so evenly matched. Um, I'm probably leaning towards Atlanta because of the, the talent standpoint from a front court with Millsap and Horford playing at the level they're playing at. Um, I like Atlanta's backcourt with Schroeder and um, Teague. Uh, you know, they got Kyle Korver to stroke the three. I mean, that team is dangerous and they're well coached. But you're going up against Boston, which is also well coached with Brad Stevens. You got Isaiah Thomas, who's a scoring machine. You got Jared Sullinger. You got Evan Turner, Avery Bradley. Like, they've got some real physical tenacity. That's going to be a hell of a series. I really, really like it. I'm. 
I'm going to say, um, I'm going to go with Atlanta. I'm going to go with Atlanta in seven games. I think both Miami and Atlanta are going to come out of the first round, but it's going to be a seven-game series, and it'll probably be the most entertaining series that we're going to see in this first round. I'm going to say Atlanta and Boston and uh, Miami and Charlotte. That's going to be really, really, really entertaining, probably right up there with the Clippers and the Trailblazers and the uh, the Mavericks and the Thunder. Everything else, I think, is going to be a little bit of a wash little bit of a, you know, it's, it's going to be first-round basketball. Like LeBron and that Cavaliers team, I mean, they're going to chew up and spit out the Pistons. That, I really think that's going to happen. And the same thing with the Warriors and the Rockets. I think the, you know, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they're just going to chew up and spit out the Rockets. It's, I mean, the Rockets, at this point, we're talking about, they're probably going to be firing the coach. They're probably going to be firing uh, Daryl Morey, the GM, after this season. And, you know, I mean, he's done a heck of a job, but this season has really been atrocious. And if you're going to make a change, now's the time to make a change. To shift the gears just a little bit to go to uh, the teams that are now out of the playoffs. So we have um, Washington Wizards, sad to say. They got they really, they just fired their coach, Randy Whitman. I mean, not a surprise. Not really a surprise at all. He, tough, tough season. I think a lot of it has to be attributed to injuries. I mean, so many darn injuries this season. There was only so much they could do with the team. Uh, you know, John Wall, Bradley, everyone was just injured. And it's just such a disappointment after such positivity that has come over the last two seasons to see them sort of building something, a good core of uh, superstar players with Wall and Beal, you know, a nice front court with Gortat and, and uh, Nene. And now you're getting into a situation where after a couple of seasons where they were getting to the second round of the playoffs, now they're out of the playoffs again and you're firing the coach. I mean, it's just... It's disappointing. It's it's Washington. They've they've had a, a real difficult time putting together a healthy culture there with the Wizards. And uh, this season is going to be another chapter in that storybook where you, you look back and you say, damn, we could have made more of this. But instead, we're on the outside looking in, firing our coach and looking to rebuild just a little bit more. Um, uh, another team that's completely in the dumps is the Kings. So essentially, they've fired George Carl, or at least they're supposed to be firing him momentarily. Um, this team has been a mess since, you know, the Chris Webber days. I, I mean, they go through coaches like t- like a like a sick kid blowing his nose with Kleenex. They go through GMs quickly. Nobody seems to be able to play with Boogie Cousins. He seems to be a complete head case. I mean, they are a mess, mess, mess of a team. That's another team that's going to be firing their coach. Um the Sixers, I mean, thankfully they won 10 games. They finished the season 10 and 72, at least one game better than the worst record ever for a team, which was held by the Sixers in 72, 73, that only won nine games. At least the Sixers came out with 10 games. You know, I talk so much about the Sixers on my radio show. I don't know if I need to rehash all of it right now. There's drama, so much drama to go along with the Sixers in itself, with just, you know, Sam Hinkie resigning, as I mentioned in my last podcast. And, and Brian Colangelo coming in. It's just such a hot mess in Philadelphia. I don't need to dig into it too much. Um, the other teams to, to talk about, I think, a little bit um, regarding teams that didn't make the playoffs. You know, Utah had a heck of a season, really got hit with the injury bug towards the end of the season. There's only so much you can do about that, but they played a good season. Uh, they finished the year 40 and 42. I think they've got some good positivity coming for them next year. The New York Knicks, you know... Mello, it's it's a tough situation because he's really getting up there in age, and I don't know if the Knicks are anywhere near being a competitive playoff team. I mean, you're maybe three, four seasons away. You don't have many draft picks to look forward to. Porzingis is fantastic, but, you know, he's still a young kid. He's going to need a couple more seasons to really, really mature and get better and come into his own. Um, 
yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of them just yet. We'll see what Phil Jackson does in the off season. Um, you know, I'm curious to see where Tom Thibodeau lands. I know Tom Thibodeau is going to be with a team soon enough. Uh, there's definitely plenty of teams out there that could use his services and his talents. Um, from a draft perspective, and very curious to see how the draft shake out this year. I mean, there's a chance that the Sixers might have two draft picks in the top five. I mean, if that Lakers pick, if the ping pong balls bounce the right way and the Lakers get the number four pick in the draft, the Sixers get that. And then the Sixers could also have the number one pick in the draft. If things play out well, the Sixers could have the number one and the number four pick in the draft. And that puts Brian Colangelo in a heck of a situation as the new GM of the team. And if anything, he should be sending a bouquet of flowers and, some, and a box of chocolates to Sam Hinkie saying, thanks a lot for taking all the lumps so I could walk into a fantastic situation and reap all the benefits. Oh boy, here I am going right back over to the Sixers talking about all those things to come down. Now, I'm curious to see how this draft shakes out. We'll know soon enough. If you want to, you know, and the one thing I will mention right now, talking about the draft and talking about tanking and the Sixers, before I finish, okay, the Los Angeles Lakers did virtually the same thing that the Sixers did this year. Now, granted, they didn't spin it in the same way. It was much more shrouded over Kobe's farewell tour. It was shrouded over the fact that they went out and they actually signed free agents like Lou Williams and Meta World Peace, Brandon Bass, Roy Hibbert. They went out and spent some money on people. But they didn't win that many more games than the Sixers did, okay? Sixers won 10 games this season. The Lakers won 17. What nobody's really talking about is the fact that the Lakers essentially had the worst record in their franchise history this year. Yeah, we're not talking about that. It's so easy to bring up the Sixers and how the Sixers have been losing like it's going out of style, but yet we're not talking about the fact that the Lakers are losing like it's going out of style. We're not talking about the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are doing the exact same thing. Is it only because of the fact that they're actually trying or at least spinning it to the media that they're trying? I mean, Brooklyn, who do, who do they have in their team? I mean, hey, when Brooklyn cut Joe Johnson... I mean, why weren't they accused of tanking? Why didn't they get all of this bad publicity? You know, they were essentially, what did Brooklyn do? I think Brooklyn finished with 21 wins this season. That's not good. That, that's right up, you know, how's, who's to say that they're not intentionally trying to lose games? Just because it's the Sixers have no guys on the team to go out in the middle of it. And then, and I, again, coming back to the spin, the spin in the media, the, the, the Sixers did not spin this properly. And now other teams that are losing you know, not as much as the Sixers, but just as close. I mean, they don't get the same flack like the Sixers do. It's, you know, it's 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 PR, it's media, it's how it, we are an audience, and this is an audience game. This is an audience thing. It's all about how we see it. And you know what? Sam Hinkie didn't spin. He didn't spin the process properly. And uh, you know, because of that, the Sixers get much more bad publicity than the Lakers or the Nets did this past season. But I digress. The Nets are also in just as terrible a situation because they're bad and they don't have their draft picks. Boston has like all of their draft picks, but I really, really hope the ping pong balls bounce the right way so the Sixers can get that Lakers pick. Um, anyway, I've talked an awful lot. I, I had to get on the mic. I've just been screaming to get on the mic for too long. I've been too busy. Thank you so much for listening about my basketball stuff. I needed to talk about those games last night. They were amazing. Uh, as always, send me mailbag questions at samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. It's real easy. Like my page on Facebook. Go on Facebook and find my page, Sam's Sports Station. I've been doing all kinds of sports posting on there. I put my own brand of sports articles on there. It's really good stuff. If you like sports, 
follow my page. I get some good stuff on there. I'm not ESPN. I'm not any of those other sites. I'm Sam Sports Station. It has its own brand. You're going to really, really like it. And of course, if you're not, you know, subscribed to my podcast already, you're listening to it at this point. Uh, subscribe to me on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whichever your device uses, and go on to iTunes. Leave me a review. I get more, you know, publicity and more, you know. My, my rating goes up if I get more reviews. So leave a review on there and say, you know, five stars, great, whatever, good commentary, you know, whatever you want to do. The point is, leaving a review is what I want you to do. It really, really helps. It really helps. And of course, check me out on Saturday mornings, uh, Sam Sports Show, 10 a.m.s on 610 a.m. ESPN Radio in the Philadelphia area, or you can listen to me online at 610amsports.com. I highly recommend it. It's really great. I do a lot of Philly sports, but it's it's tough. Doing the radio show is not the same as doing the podcast. This podcast is an awful lot of fun, and uh, I get to really just have free reign and talk about whatever I want and uh, drop curses and F-bombs if I want to, but I'm not going to do it all the time. Anyway, that's all I got for today. Uh, I want to come back soon and uh, talk some more b-ball, talk some football, uh, talk about what's been going on in the offseason. The football has definitely been having some fun as well, and I want to get a few more guests back on here to talk some uh, talk some basketball, sports. You know, you know the drill. Um, anyway, that's all we have for today. Thanks a lot for listening. I love you guys. I love everyone out there for listening. The support means so much. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to have a conversation when I don't have someone who's listening to me, Jack, uh, again and again and again. Anyway, that's all I have for today. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.